The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from powerful women leaders who will share their playbooks on how to manage smarter, be more successful, and change your game. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you are in the right place. Today's topic, well, the buzz is dismal. I know, I know. What a sad word to start a live radio show with, dismal. So you're wondering, Bonnie, what's dismal? I'll tell you. It's the percentage of women CEOs, especially in today's top companies. You're asking me, how dismal can dismal be? Well, I have some numbers for you. The answer is very dismal. Women are just 4.6% of the S&P 500's CEOs and only 4.8% of the Fortune 500 CEOs. This, by the way, is up from 1998. I'm looking at some statistics from Catalyst. It's a not-for-profit New York-based women's research organization. Let me just read a little bit before I introduce my guests. And let's see now. Catalyst says... Ah, in 1998, 11.2% of corporate officers in Fortune, now corporate officers, I didn't say CEOs, in Fortune 500 companies were women. That's 11.2%. This rose to a peak of 16.4% by 2005. So over those seven years, we saw some results that were positive, but it's since fallen and it dropped back in 2008 to 15.7%. Catalyst notes, and here's the dismal news, at this rate, it would take 40 years, that's Right, four zero. I said forty years for the number of female corporate officers to match the number of male officers. Is this acceptable? I don't think so. Here's a quote from our executive producer, SAP CLO Chief Learning Officer Jenny Dearborn. She says, "Every day should be International Women's Day until equality is achieved." I think she's right. So how can we change this? Well, we can change this by sharing success secrets and advice from the women who have made it to the corner office, the women who are breaking through the glass ceiling. You're the ones we're talking to today. We'd like you to listen up because we have some great stories, insights, and lessons from we've got one panelist today. We're waiting for our other one to join us, and I'm going to just introduce my first panelist. She is Sharon Matthews. President and CEO of a company called Elinks, small e, of course, capital L Y N X. And Sharon has sent me the following quote: "Strategy beats strategy every time." It's a Sun Tzu paraphrase. Sun Tzu is Sun. TZU, he is a Chinese warrior, philosopher. I'm not sure whether he was a warrior first and a philosopher second or vice versa from 500 BC. Sharon Matthews, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? Bonnie, it's my pleasure to be here. How are you? 
I'm fine, thank you. So talk to me. Interesting quote. I don't know whether this is a tautology, Sharon, going around in circles. How can strategy beat strategy? If he said it in 500 BC, it must have meant something important then. And I know this is your paraphrase. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your take on the topic, Sharon? Go ahead. Well, the the strategy beat strategy message for me is really about the best strategy will outdo a weaker strategy. It's something I believe in in life, whether you're considering you know, a business plan or a major personal life decision, or if you're just making a normal day-to-day decision, a better strategy will beat no strategy or even a weaker strategy every time. And that's straight from Sun Tzu. Um, I, I think when you, when you set yourself a higher strategy of better quality, when you think about it, by having that strategy, you finish up with better tactics, that is, better actions to implement the strategy. And it gives you a much more likely successful outcome in, no matter what you're doing. So in many times for me, I've seen business decisions are made on straight KPIs or they're made on a, a gut decision. Neither of those things work because if you don't know where you're going, you don't know what the context is. If you don't know the why of what you're doing, what, why is it the best thing to do? Why is it the right thing to do? Why should we make this decision? If you don't have that baseline of what you're trying to get to and why, then your outcome is by definition ill-defined. It leads you, if you think of it the right way, to a strategy conversation and leads you to a better approach and better tactics to achieving that approach. You know, there are a lot of translations of Sun Tzu's work, and some of them are very simple on the web. Um, Some of them are very sophisticated because the man was writing in 500 BC in ancient Chinese, so it's pretty much a challenge for all of us, right? But I would really encourage anyone who's ever um, been fascinated by strategy and how it can make you successful in business and in life to go mm-hmm. find yourself um, a translation that works. Go find one that is readable and accessible to you or reread it. I pick it up in my, for myself personally probably every couple of years again, and every single time I learn something, I, I commend it to you. Thank you, Sharon. Very good introduction. Um, It's interesting to me that we're looking back so far in history for such important words. And my question to you right now, Sharon, is just you and me uh, until our other guest uh, dials in. So we're just going to talk. We're just going to have a lot of a lot of good talk here about making it to the corner office and how you got there. But isn't it interesting, Sharon, that you're looking back so far in history for such important words of advice and recommending it to women today who are, I don't know whether they're or they're kicking or they're scratching or they're just eyeing. Maybe they're just eyeing what we like to call the glass ceiling, that ceiling that looks like you can break through, but it's really much harder than we think it is. So why do you think we have to look so far back for something that's so important as having a strategy, Sharon? What's your thought on that? That's an interesting question, Bonnie. I honestly don't think it's about um, the timing. I happen to think it's about the quality of the work that the man put out. He was really talking about winning wars. And that's why when you introduced him as as a Chinese warrior philosopher, um, you're Mm -hmm. absolutely right. But what it's about is really that every competitive move we make in our careers and our business, it is a form of small w war. Mm -hmm. And I just happen to think he's the best source of that data. I've read a lot of strategy books and I enjoy them. You know, might say some strange things about me, but I think <laughs> his 
um, his thinking, his analytics, his ability to abstract from the detail and look at the overall issues that he's dealing with in order to be successful, which is what he was talking about, just happened to sing to my soul and to my intellect. So I don't think it's the fact that it was so long ago. Um, in fact, in some ways, that might be a, make him, for some people, feel less relevant. For me, it's about the quality of what he said. Interesting. Thank you very much. Sharon, let's talk about your role at eLinks. Let's do a little deep dive here. I'd like to talk about your journey. We don't usually do the guest bio at the front of the show, but you and I have lots of time. So I think people would be interested. I know that eLinks, from what you've sent me, is a leading provider of electronic document and data delivery for financial services companies. Sounds important. And you've been the head of eLinks for eight years. Why don't you tell us a little bit about why you're in this business, Sharon? Did you start out saying, I want want to be the head of this company. I want to get to the CEO office. What were your goals when you, when you were that aspiring younger woman eight years ago? What were you thinking? Well, my story in coming to Elinx is um, kind of an unusual one. Um, I joined through with the help of the private equity firm that owns the organization. Um, a lady at that firm had been a chairman of mine in a prior CEO role. And uh, she asked me if I would please come join and help the organization put together and integrate an, a major acquisition it had made and help, it, help them find a new CEO, which is what I came here to do. Um, and that was in early 2007, um, about six weeks before the beginnings of what became the, the greatest financial crisis in this country since the, since the Great Depression. And so I was looking for a CEO and looking to... Um, um, integrate the organizations over the next uh, three to six months originally. And I, I am still here. I'm still loving this work. I tell people I forgot to leave. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I just fell in love with the business model. I fell in love with the team. And we've been doing great work, and the company's doing very, very well. Now, is there, are there anybody looking askance at the fact that you are the head of, of such an interesting technology company, Sharon? Has anybody said in whispers, or I don't know what you hear, we used to call it the water cooler, Sharon, on the sidelines, people saying, I think a man could have done it better. Any, any uh, gender battles going on that you'd like to share with us? I have to say in this company, no. Um, I've certainly had those experiences, some of them in the extreme earlier in my career. Um, here at Elinks, we are an organization that is located, our headquarters is in Cincinnati, um, and we have a very large operation also in Portland, Oregon. Um, I'm the only woman on the executive team, and that's my only regret, frankly. I've tried twice now with two opportunities to promote someone in and bring a woman into the, the C-suite with me, um, and that disappoints me. Mm-hmm. But um, no, there's none of that in this company at all. We are pretty highly diversified. Um, There are different races, different orientations, different political orientations. It's it's a pretty transparent company. Um, But then again, you you can hear it in my voice. I'm I'm an Australian-born American, half French and half Chinese who's lived all over the world. So it's not entirely surprising that we're fairly diversified. But it is the culture of the company, and it was when I got here. It's just continued. Very interesting. I could hear the Australian part, Sharon, but I couldn't hear the rest of it. I couldn't hear the Chinese <laughs> part. I couldn't, I couldn't hear all of the other ethnic. But you are, you're a walking example of diversity, aren't you, in, in your own background, Sharon? Well, you know what? I don't think about it very much, but yes. 
Okay. I want to read the names. I, I think our listeners are probably wondering who some of the women are when I mention that women hold 23, which is 4.6% of CEO positions at S&P 500. Uh, Sharon, you okay if I just uh, note off Please some do. of the names here? Please I think people do, would be interested in the current list. And, and then you and I are going to go through the notes you sent me before the show. We're going to talk about your strategies, your strategies, and I'm sure that Sun Tzu would be very proud to know you, Sharon Matthews. What do you think of that? Sun Tzu would be proud to know how you you work with strategy. But let me just read off some of these names here. These are women CEOs of the S&P 500. And I'm looking at Catalyst, C-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T dot org, women CEOs of the S&P 500. Here we go. Mary T. Barra of GM. Heather Bresch of Mylon, M-Y-L-A-N, Inc. I'm not familiar with that company. Ursula Burns from Xerox. Deborah Cafaro, C-A-F-A-R-O, Adventus, Inc. Susan Cameron at Reynolds American. Safra Katz, C-A-T-Z at Oracle. Lynn Good at Duke Energy. That's interesting. Uh, Marilyn Hewson at Lockheed Martin. Ellen Coleman at EI DuPont. We have Laura Lee Martin at HCP. Gracia Martore at Gannett or Gannett, some people pronounce it, Marissa Mayer at Yahoo, Sherry McCoy at Avon Products. Now, that's interesting that Avon is up in the S&P 500, is interesting in itself. Carol Myrowitz at TJX, uh, Beth Mooney at Key Corp, Denise Morrison at Campbell Soup, Indra Nuyi at PepsiCo, Phoebe Novakovic at General Dynamics Corp., Deborah Reed at Sempra Energy, Barbara Rentler at Ross Stores, Virginia Romedy, we know that name, Jenny Romedy at IBM, Irene Rosenfeld at Mondelez or Mondelez International, and Meg Whitman, of course, at HP. Interesting list, isn't it, Sharon? It certainly is. It certainly, certainly is. is. And you know what? I have interesting news for you. We have just been joined by Colleen Abdullah. Colleen is our other guest, and she's here. And Colleen is the only female CEO to lead a top 10 cable operating company. So I'm going to do a warm, game-changing women welcome to Colleen. Welcome, Colleen. How are you? Thank you. Where I was, I wasn't on a good landline, so I drove in from the mountains. There was an accident, and I was late. I so apologize. That's okay. This is Bonnie, and I have Sharon on the line with me. Sharon is our other guest, as you know. We're very happy to have you. And thank you for your diligence, Colleen. My goodness, we've never had a a guest drive in for the mountains to be on the show before, and we appreciate it. I, I just want to tell you, we've started talking about the statistics. Great. I found a website at Catalyst.org. I just read, I think you heard this, from their Knowledge Center, the list of women CEOs on the S&P 500. Yes. And Sharon, Sharon and I have been going through her quote. Let me start as though we were starting at the very beginning for you, Colleen. Uh, I want to read the quote you sent me. So let's dial back to the opening. You say, the game of business is very much like the game of tennis. Those who fail to master the basics of serving well usually lose. So, Colleen, officially welcome, and tell us about your quote, please. How does it relate to our topic of women CEOs? Well, one of the many things that I'm so passionate about is culture, the environment in which the system itself operates, and is it healthy, is it functioning, is it high-performing, creative, innovative, motivating, inspiring, etc. And my career, as wonderful and blessed as it has been, um, has mostly been filled with male leaders, um, many of which did support me and helped develop me and helped me to grow and get to the point of being CEO of a 
wonderful company that um, gave me an incredible experience. So I take nothing away from men or male leaders. I just Mm -hmm. happen to believe that most of the cultures today are built around uh, a hierarchical, still an old industrial revolution kind of structure where it's very hierarchical and uh, control and command, and it's not about serving others. You know, my simple definition of leadership is when anyone at any time in their day uh, is serving others in a way that brings out the best in them and in yourself. And if you look at that as a leadership definition, I don't think that's happening in corporate America, where leaders feel like you're there to serve them as opposed to the opposite. And if more and more people embraced an opinion of leadership is there to serve you, to help you create and innovate and do your best, then the results follow when you have an environment like that. And I find that in many cases where women are the leaders, whether it be of departments or companies as a whole, you tend to get that culture more often than not. They seem to understand the, the power of serving others in that way. So that's why I love that quote. Um, and I have studied gender, and I think that the, you see that the male leaders who are good at this, who believe in serving others in this way, uh, are very much in touch with their feminine and their masculine. And, and I think we need more of that in business today. I don't think anybody would uh, disagree. Uh, well, I don't think anybody we know would disagree with that anyway, Colleen. Thank you very much. Uh, you know what? I'm going to, let's just go as though we were just starting. We've already had Sharon Matthews' introduction and her quote, and I'm going to go back to Sharon. We're going to make you the first panelist here right now. Sharon, I'm going to ask you a very difficult question. Nothing to do with being a CEO and all the hard work you've done to get there and all the hard work you do to stay there and be successful. What are you drinking right now? Sharon Matthews, where are you calling from? What time of day is it? What's in your cup? Or what are you dreaming about drinking after you're off the air with me today? Talk to me, Sharon Matthews. Well, I'm not going to tell you what I'm dreaming about drinking when I'm off the air, Bonnie. That would be good. <laughs> but it's, it's, uh, it's uh, midday in Cincinnati, and um, I've got what I normally have in my cup, which is tea at this time of the day. But it's actually not what I'm drinking that matters to me. It's what the cup says. Um, oh. My cup actually came, I think, from, from uh, Starbucks at one stage. And right there on the outside, but in silver letters, it says, Indivisible. Uh-huh. And that's really about my business strategy. It's about building teams. But my fundamental belief that a great team will beat even the best individual over the long term every single time. So Indivisib- yeah. Indivisible is my management strategy. Very strong. Very nice. Nicely done, Sharon. I appreciate it. Colleen, you've been driving and driving and driving. I wonder if you had something interesting to drink to keep you company on the drive, or perhaps what are you going to drink after the show? Colleen Abdullah. Yes, I'm a tea drinker. I'm originally from Canada, so I'm uh, I'm into tea, and mine was this morning was rooibos. I think you pronounce it rooibos, and I think it's from South Africa. And I discovered it about a year ago, and when I was in South Africa on safari this past May, um, I got to really go to the actual area where it was um, planted and, and came from. So 
I love that tea, and my choice is rooibos chai. And the cup I'm using, mm. I just uh, has something very important, significant to me as well. It was when I switched from CEO to chair of the board. One of my commitments was to coach whoever in our company requested it in the leadership group. And one of the women that I was coaching made me this cup. And it is beautiful, and all along the cup has inspiring quotes, people, and qualities that she saw in me. And when you finish drinking, there's a little We Love You Colleen at the bottom of the cup. Oh, I love drinking out of that mug. That is very, I, you know, never thought of that. Not too many mugs have something in the bottom, so you get a little surprise or a little greeting when you finish whatever you're drinking. I love that. Thank you, Colleen. Thank you, Sharon. We're going to go and take a quick break. Those of you just tuning in, our topic today is Views from the C-Suite, Women CEOs. I'm very pleased and privileged to be speaking with Colleen Abdullah at, well, we didn't give her company. She is from WOW, W-O-W, exclamation point, Internet Cable and phone and she is the only female CEO leader of a top 10 cable operating company and she transitioned from CEO to chairperson of the board and we can talk about that later on and we're also speaking and privileged to speak with Sharon Matthews president and CEO of Elink small e capital L Y N X and we got some tweets here from Elink's underscore buzz B-U-Z-Z and they say on SAP radio hashtag SAP radio host Bonnie D. Graham notes that only 4.6% of the Fortune 500 have women CEOs. Plenty of room to improve. Yes, Elinks Buzz, you got that nailed. So we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, uh, we're going to start with some discussion statements from Colleen and Sharon, and we're going to go back and forth and get the words of wisdom from two women who have made it through that ceiling. I don't know if it's glass or if it's tin or if it's paper. We'll find out what the ceiling is actually made of today and what they think the chances are for more women to rise to the top of wherever their industry, whatever their industry is. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We'll be right back. Michael out. it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. For women, the pressure to achieve at work is stronger, the hours longer, and the struggle for respect and authority more complex than ever. You want guidance on how to succeed, and you are not alone. Tune in to hear today's powerful women leaders help you make sense of it all. They will get you thinking about how to manage smarter. They will analyze how you can change the game. And they will share their playbooks on how you can make it happen. Game Changing Women is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Women. 
know what? If we had to think of a topic any more perfect for our theme, which is game-changing women, I couldn't think of anything more perfect than today's topic, views from the C-suite, women CEOs. And I'm talking to two game-changing women. They live it, they live it, they breathe it, they sleep it. They are changing the game. I'm speaking with Colleen Abdullah from WOW, Internet Cable and Phone, and Sharon Matthews, President and CEO of E-Links. So we're talking about who are they, where did they come from, how did they get to the top. I'm looking at my notes from Colleen before the show. And Colleen, I want to talk about a word that I think impacts a lot of women who think they want to climb what we used to call the corporate ladder, fear. And you say dealing with the fear within and the obstacles women can impose upon ourselves and others. And you say, I know there are plenty of external obstacles that can get in our way. The fact that women often get promoted on past experience, but men get promoted based on potential is one of those obstacles. Let's talk about that. Colleen, why don't you get us started? Yes, you know, I thought Sheryl Sandberg's book was wonderful on a lot of levels, but specifically because of the research and the data that was in that book. And, and that is a true fact, that even today... Still, women get promoted based on their past experience, and men get promoted based on their potential. And i got to admit, I don't know about Sharon, but early in my career, I think I even made that mistake as a leader, is I would see uh, a sort of male accomplishing things with great potential, and I'd say, let's slot him in there. And then I would think of a certain female, and I'd say to myself, well, she hasn't done this or this or this. Hopefully, God willing, I haven't done that for a couple decades, but I know that even I made that mistake early on, and I think that what we need to do as women is a better job of understanding the difference between humility, true humility, and confidence, and self-love, and self-respect, and being able to, I always talk about the fact that, and I think this was cited in Cheryl's book as well, before I even knew it was a data point, but what I had observed is that I myself did this. I would look at a job description. I had an opportunity, for example, when I was 30, to take over this operation in the company I was working in, 200, 300 people operation. And I looked at the job and said, oh, my goodness, these two things, these three things out of the ten, mm. I'm not really good at, or I haven't had wow. much experience in, I'm not ready. And the guy that put it four of those things, and he took it and said, hell, I'll just hire the rest. I'll make it happen, and I'll ask for top dollar, which he did do. And so I learned from that experience that why do we do that to ourselves as women? Why do we think we have to be perfect or we have to have it all or we've had to have done it to go for it? Um, I think that's one obstacle we put in our way. Um, and I think another is that we believe with our whole heart and mind and soul that we'll do a good job, we'll get recognized. Mm. And we don't negotiate well enough for what the job itself is worth and asking for what we think we deserve in that role and asking for the promotions because we think that's either arrogant or too aggressive or whatever our beliefs are or we're fearful. But I'd Mm -hmm. love to see and encourage women 
that I've worked with over the years and that I speak to at various organizations or the women's organizations that I'm a board member of, we talk about this a lot, that women have to do it for themselves because, Lord knows, we got enough external obstacles that we're dealing with. Thank you. Sharon, I'd love to hear your take on the fear topic. You agree with Colleen? What are your experiences? I, I do agree with Colleen, and I certainly um, see some real truths in Cheryl Sandberg's book. But I think the way to overcome it um, is to go about coaching. And I, and I see it as part of my role inherently in any kind of leadership position I'm in to coach both men and women under me for the differences not just in the individual and their individual backgrounds, of course, but in the individuals, um, in, in the, the orientation they have about their careers. I've certainly had um, experiences of women doing all the things Colleen's talking about, being looking to be perfect and complete and having done the job twice before. And I do remember saying to somebody, if you want to grow in your career and you want to wait to take this next step till you've done it before, how do you think you're going to get to have done it before if you don't take the next step? Right. And, you know, it's a catch-22. It's awful. Um, I also have to say that, that there was one occasion where I had a gentleman who basically announced that the job was his because um, he deserved it and he'd earned it and he was just the best thing since sliced bread. And I think I said something to him about not liking my bread sliced and <laughs> that, that he'd, he'd actually read a little too much of his own press. Um, I'd love to see some women reading their own press. Right, that's, that's part of it. But I, I really do see it as part of our own responsibility as, as women in any kind of a leadership position to reach down and help pull everybody yes. up. But to do mm-hmm. it, you, you coach men and women slightly differently. Well, Absolutely. you both heard the, the quote from Madeleine Albright, which has been cited on several of our recent mm-hmm. shows here on Game Changing Women. There's a place in hell for women who don't help other women. We know that, and I think we all agree with that. I want, Ladies, I want to talk about the term glass ceiling. Uh, we may have some young listeners, perhaps outside the U.S. today. We have a global audience for this show, as for all of our Game Changers radio series. And they might not be familiar I don't know how not, but maybe they're very young, maybe they're millennials, and they just didn't get around to reading or hearing or their moms or their mentors or their colleagues didn't tell them what a glass ceiling is. I'm just going to read a definition I found here on a website called, of all things, feminist.org, excuse me, and they're talking about um, women are bumping into a glass ceiling, and, and Anne Morrison describes the problem. The glass ceiling is a barrier, quote, so subtle that it is transparent, yet so strong that it prevents women from moving up the corporate hierarchy. And she also says the glass ceiling applies to women as a group who are kept from advancing higher because they are women. I, I don't know whether to just stop and end the show right here. This is I, I wasn't aware that it was that broad. But let me go back to Colleen Abdullah. Do you think the ceiling is glass? Is it paper? Is it is it a sheer veil? What is it? And do you agree with the statement that... It's against the entire gender of women in business. What do you see, Colleen? Geez, I, I love what she said there because I've often said as well, it's subtle. It is very subtle, at least in our country. To your point about globalization, it's not in many other countries. It's not subtle at all, starting from not allowing girls to get educated. Um, 
so how the heck are they going to advance in the corporate world? So here in America, I think it is very subtle, and yet it is very strong. And I think part of the issue is that we need to, there's a ton of women groups that are trying to work on this issue, trying to get women on more corporate boards, trying to get more women in politics, and it's all great efforts, and I'm on many of those, in many of those groups, and involved in those efforts, so I believe in them. But until we get men involved, the men who are currently in power, until we start partnering with them on this issue, um, and getting them to make conscious efforts, not just because we're women. I mean, whoever tweeted that tweet was right. There is research now that shows that gender diversity at the top creates what? I've got statistics that show 84% return on sales, 46% return on equity, 60% return on invested capital, and 34% higher total return to the shareholder. So what we need to do is have men understand these statistics, understand the why. Why is it important that we start having more women at the top of these organizations sharing the power with the men? Because it's going to create better results. And that's what we're all in this for, whether it's our nonprofit work to want to change the world for the better or our for-profit work to get results so that everybody can live a better life that is working in that company or associated with that company. So it's all about results. And I think that until men who are currently in those power positions understand this, embrace it, and start to work together with us, it's not going to change because men know other men. Women know other women. When I look for women to do a a certain task, I go to my network, and a lot of my network are women, and that's what happens today. That's why the ceiling continues to exist, because when there are opportunities, men go to their network, and their network is mostly men. Mm, Okay, groupthink. Stay with the people you know. Sharon, what do you think? Well, I do agree with Colleen, absolutely, that diversified organizations, whether it's male, female, or other kinds of diversity, absolutely produce better results. That's statistically clear. Um, It's demonstrably clear, particularly if they've got a really strong strategy. But, um, and while while you look statistically at the percentage of women in senior executive roles, um, C-suite and above, on boards, clearly there is something going on here. But I have a slightly different solution to the the problem. Mm Um, yes. you, you know that old story about when the circus takes the elephants and they put chains around their legs so they don't run away and you leave them like that for a while and a couple of weeks or months later you take the chains off but the elephants don't run away? Mm-hmm. I think of the glass ceiling the same way. I think we are wow. so used to accepting that it exists that we accept that it exists. And I think it's up to us. Well, men could help and support us and should and would even if not for personal reasons, for the absolute business measurable results, better, better measurable business results reason, absolutely. But it's also up to us as women to essentially say, um, to over push the, the story, I'm free. Mm-hmm. I can. I will. I do. Mm-hmm. And I worry always about a level of backlash. Um, women's groups, um, support groups, please come help us messages 
absolutely run the risk of a certain cross-section of the successful male community responding negatively to that, and that won't help either. So what do women get comfortable with themselves? Colleen, Colleen, I want to get you in on this because it's important. We've got a good back and forth going here, and I love the, the challenge you just posed, Sharon, that women don't perceive we are free to move up, so we haven't created, but we are perpetuating the glass ceiling. Colleen, thoughts on this? Talk to me. Yeah, Sharon, I'm curious about that because my experience has been just the opposite, that there have been women who have done everything that they can in their organization to move up, and when it doesn't happen for various reasons that we've already mentioned, they end up leaving, either starting their own companies, many of which I know have and are very successful, um, and others who have had to switch to a, a different culture, hoping that in that next environment that will be the case. Do you really think it is a lack of women believing that they can get there and or a lack of effort? Oh, I don't believe it's a lack of effort. Absolutely not. Women tend okay. to work harder than anything. I mean, absolutely. No, what, what I think it is, and I'm gonna, I want to say this carefully so we don't misunderstand, but I want them almost to do some of the things that men do. And I'm, I'm not suggesting for one minute they should stop being women. We are, how do I say this, proudly women. We're different. We're feminine. Not only is that not um, a negative, it's an advantage. So I don't mean we're going to whip out the football jerseys and, and put on helmets. Um, what I'm talking about is the very same ways that men promote themselves with a level of comfort about it, that they think it's a a right, an inherent business right to move up and be offered the opportunities, I think we need to get comfortable enough with that as well. And, And I think it's a way to move forward um, without denying our femininity, but in a way that is constructive and equal. We are equal. If we were all um, laying bricks for a business or schlepping 200-pound boxes, men would, would and should be at the top of this pyramid. But we're talking about intellect, experience, and education. Women have the same right. We need to get comfortable with that. And, and we women need to help other women. We need men to help other women. But the women themselves, we ourselves, need to step forward. That's, that's what I'm trying to say. Mm, oh, Colleen? absolutely. Yeah, thank you for that clarification because that's exactly, and it ties back to what we were saying in regards to fear or being our worst enemy. I yeah. think you're just reinforcing that. Absolutely, I agree with that. I think what is so unfortunate and where I was going was that the women who do believe in that, who do step up, and I'm going to tell a quick story. When, when I yes. first became CEO, it was a turnaround situation. We had an aggressive goal to make. We had to make more cash flow within the last 90 days than they had made all year, and we did, and we overachieved it. And I went to the board and said, I'm taking the overachieved amount, and I want to give it back in unexpected bonuses to everybody. And they challenged me like you wouldn't believe, doubted that I said I couldn't do it at first, then said, okay, I could, but they wanted to see the list and who I was going to give how much to. And I finally just stood up and said, gentlemen, if I had gray hair, different apparatus, my name was Bill, would you be challenging me on this simple decision? 
And one guy took great offense to it because it was a little disrespectful. I admit that wasn't my greatest moment, but I was so angry, and it had gone on for almost an hour. He took issue with it, but every other board member, five men spoke up and said, no, she's right. Mm. This is her decision as CEO. We shouldn't be questioning it. Go do what you want to do with that money. Now, there's an example of they just, you know, oftentimes, even when you're in the position, you get challenged and questioned because or fathered by the various male superiors Mm -hmm. that as a woman you have to fight that much harder to be assertive, not aggressive, but to assertively stand for what you believe in and, and fight for what you believe in. And I don't see men having to do that when they reach a certain level. Interesting. I want to move on. Thank you both. Love the dialogue. This is what we strive for on live radio, and you two get it clearly. I want to look at some notes from Sharon Matthews. Uh, keeping on with the the sports mode, the sports uh, metaphor that you started with your quote, Colleen, I'm looking at some notes here from Sharon. She says, excellent management is like mixed martial arts. That means it's much better if you have a variety of approaches combining women and men. And Sharon goes on to say different colors, different ages, different backgrounds, different orientations, even religious and political views in a management group will be a stronger long-term result than all women or all men approach. And this follows on the theme we've been talking about. Sharon, you want to expand this a little bit, please? And then we'll have Colleen jump in. Well, um, how do I say? I believe it. And, and if you mm-hmm. look at the, the business environment we're working in, um, it depends on where you are in the country. Sometimes it's more difficult or where you are in the world to actually generate such a cross-section of people and keep that going. But it's worth it because the outcomes are better. Um, I, I commend to you... Um, a book by a, a very dear friend of mine who is, of course, a friend of the show, Carrie Williard from Sun, mm-hmm. uh, and then SAP. And she's, she's written a book with a colleague of hers called The 2020 Workplace, acknowledging the five generations working in the workplace today um, that we're dealing with, male, female, different ages, different orientations in terms of experience and in terms of perspective. And that's a challenge that we all need to reach out for and to try and take advantage of and to, well, master, frankly. I mean, there was also some very interesting research um, in Fortune this July called, and I thought this was delightful, humans are underrated. Um, but it was <laughs> some work by, uh, by the Oxford Economics Research Firm basically says that the skills we need in the next five to ten years aren't going to be things computers will do. I mean, think about it. We went from calculators to spreadsheets and accelerated from there um, the same thing is going to continue to happen. Making business decisions and collecting data and analyzing it, let computers do it, and that's what they're for. What we need human beings for is to build relationships, to be creative, to be innovative, to, to be sensitive to cultures and get the benefit from them. Um, and I don't think my, honestly, my honest belief about the mixed martial arts um, image is we don't have 10 years to wait. We don't even have five. I think that's now. I think that's absolutely what we all have to do now as leaders men, women, otherwise. Colleen? I think beautifully said. You're much more mm-hmm. creative than I in, <laughs> in your approach to things. I love uh, these metaphors and examples. I agree. I mean, I think that um, I said when I came into my company, we're a small regional 
competitor to the large incumbent cable operators. And so when I came in, I said, we're never going to have the products and services our competitors do. We're never going to have the capital they have for R&D. We're never going to be able to reduce prices as low as they will. So how do we survive as a team, as an organization, and be profitable and sustain ourselves? And that is in the how. Nobody can be you. Nobody can be me. Nobody can relate to people the way we each do as individuals. So we're going to compete on the how, how we relate to one another, how we relate to our customers, and that's going to differentiate us competitively. And I believe that. I believe that the more diversity of mind you have in your organization, gender, uh, lifestyle, all of it, the mosaic that you can create inside the system, it will give you such power and innovation and creativity because it's diversity of mind and how you choose to relate to one another that really differentiates us as individuals and as companies. Thank you, Colleen. You know what I'm going to do? We have uh, just about 11 minutes left till the end of the show. I'm going to save two minutes apiece for each of you to share your predictions. If I love the year 2020, I told you that when I met you on our prep calls. And you can fast forward to any time in the future you like. So we're going to knock off four minutes at the end for that and a little time for me to close. But I'm going to read a statistic that I read at the beginning, Colleen, before you were on. I'd like you to comment on it. And then I'm going to ask each of you for, let's say, your top three tips off the top, top three tips for young women aspiring to inch up, to peer through that glass ceiling and to say, I see my seat at the C-suite on the other side of that glass and I'm going to go claim it because I worked hard and I'm smart enough for it. So I'm going to get your your three tips. But however, Colleen, let me just read this so you know where we started the show with. Uh, Catalyst, which is a not-for-profit New York-based research organization, points out that its data shows a change over the last 10 years in women coming into C-suite. In 1998, 11.2% of corporate officers, now I didn't say CEOs, but corporate officers in Fortune 500 were women. This rose to 16.4 by 2005, that's seven years after, but it has fallen and in 2008, it settled down at 15.7%. So Catalyst says that at this rate, it would take 40 years for the number of female corporate officers to match the number of male officers. We're not even talking CEO. We're not talking chairperson. We're just talking corporate officers. Uh, Any quick comments on that before I get your top three tips for women aspiring to bypass that glass ceiling, Colleen? Well, just that I'm very familiar with those statistics, and I think that unless we have a a very uh, focused and energized movement among women and men to change that, we're looking at those 40 bloody years. Um, So I, I agree with it. I'm focused on it as an individual, as a leader, and I'm hoping that we can change that trajectory sooner than later. Thank you very much. Now, Colleen, putting you in the hot seat. We didn't plan on this, but I think it'd be a good time for us to find out since you and Sharon Matthews are both, both in the trenches. You have overcome whatever it was it required for you to reach the CEO level, each of you in your respective industry. So what would you give as advice for young women or let's not even let's take young off the table. Any woman who aspires to be the leader of a company, whether it's her own startup or whether she's an employee, what are the top three things she should be aware of? She should 
overcome and she should be proud about. What do you think? Anything and everything, top three tips of advice, Colleen Abdullah, go ahead. Okay, really quickly, um, what I would overcome is our our oftentimes um, characteristic of, of personalizing everything and taking things uh, to the max as far as, oh, my gosh, the shoulds that we should have done and could have done and, and, and being able to take ourselves more, uh, always be, take ourselves seriously, but not in, in the workplace, overcome that need to always be perfect and always be right and do everything well and beat ourselves up when we don't. I would overcome that. The three quick tips that I think of that come to mind right away, we've talked about it, is build and create relationships with the males and females in your organization. Branch out, even if it's uncomfortable for you, but build those relationships, those supporters, those ambassadors, people who are in current leadership, so they know who you are, they know what you believe, they know what you're about. Second, I think, um, is the most important probably that comes to mind is believe in yourself and Mm -hmm. have the courage to stand by your convictions no matter what. Fight for them in an assertive, productive manner. Don't just leave when things get tough. Try Mm -hmm. to make them better before you leave if you have to leave, if that's the outcome. And lastly, consistently model what you expect. Um, Be kind to everyone that you're working with, and as a leader, model the things that are important on a very consistent basis. There are too many times I hear from people that they've worked for women who are a nightmare, and we just can't have that if we want to affect change. Absolutely. I worked for one of those, and that's a whole other radio show. Not going to go there. <laughs> Unbelievable. She was a nightmare for men and women. She just hated everybody. An equal opportunity hater. That's just, just really fair playing fair game. Sharon Matthews, I saved some time for you. Three tips for aspiring women at any age, any stage in business, employee or business owner. How do you get to the top and stay there? Well, I have to say, Colleen, I'd come work for you any time. <laughs> you, know, you too. <laughs> I'm happy to do my three. You know, first of all, um, get an education, and I don't mean just a liberal mm. arts education. Go get a business education. Go get a scientific education. You know, stem and the rest, and then never stop learning. Never st- yeah. be curious. Be greedy. Be, be a prolific reader. Read to relax as well as to grow and learn. So read, learn, attend. Invest in yourself. That's the, my first message. Um, the second one, find yourself a mentor or two or three. And I've been very lucky and I've had some great mentors in my life. And a mentor can do a variety of things for you. Certainly open doors. Certainly give you insight, give you changes in perspective. All those things work. But the thing that I've found most valuable is I have a mentor today who's also a very dear friend who I know won't lie to me. She will tell me the ever-loving truth. Mm. And that's an incredibly powerful thing. If I ask her, tell me what you think about this, she will. And I, I trust her to tell me the good, the bad, and the ugly. And someone who is only coaching positively isn't as good as someone who coaches positively and with the heart and the care for you to tell you the downside too. 
So mm-hmm. I encourage you to do that. It is phenomenally valuable, and it's a safe place to grow and learn. It's a good reality finally, check. Yep, what's your third? A good third? reality check, absolutely. I mean, it, no matter what your issue is, whether you're ha- delighted with something or not, it's, it's, a, it's a, a very effective sounding board and very valuable, I think. Um, my third thing is, I'd, um, if I could tattoo this across most people's foreheads, it would be something like believe. Just believe. And um, that means have confidence, have courage, be comfortable. I, I, lo- I really love Colleen's Be Kind. I truly believe in being kind. But be comfortable with yourself. Be comfortable with where you're going. It's okay to go there. And on those days when you do doubt, because men do it as well as women, women certainly do it, but men do it too, have some mechanism in yourself how you, that you can shake that off, whether it's to go out for a five-mile run or go and pour your very most favorite glass of Cabernet and spoil yourself or take a massage or just sleep for a few hours because most of us are sleep deprived. Whatever it takes, mm-hmm. back out of the bad place, believe, and then look at it again. And you know, between education and mentors and comfort with yourself, they're the three things I would suggest are most valuable. We have to write a book about this. We have to publish what the two of you just said. This is a handbook for success and for achieving. Thank you both. Guess what? We are down to two minutes till the end of the show. I'm going to give you each 30 seconds for predictions. And I'm just going to say, if we met again in 2020, which is less than five years away, what would be different about this topic? What are your, your hopes, your dreams, your, your projections for what would be different about the topic of getting more women into the C-suite, into that CEO chair? Colleen Abdullah, 30 seconds predictions. Go. That we've broken through the obstacles, uh, subtle or otherwise, today that we come to realize that the only way to change our communities and our world is to have 50-50 share of the power between men and women. And we see that in our politics. We see that in our nonprofits. We see that in leadership across the board. That is my hope. And that because of that, the results that we see are so much better than they are today. Thank you, Sharon Matthews. 30 seconds predictions. Go. I mean 30 seconds. Go. (laughs) Feeling a little like Arianna Huffington, I'd like to see some balance. I hope we see that we love our jobs no matter who we are, that we do something we love every single day, Mm. and that we reach down and help others come up to where we are in our minds and in our careers and we're giving back to make everybody's life better and more balanced. Thank you. Great optimism, great hope, and great aspirations for both of you. Colleen Abdullah, wow, internet, cable, and phone. Thank you for driving so far, so fast, so long, and so dedicated to join us. Colleen, it was worth waiting for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Lovely, articulate, smart, focused, appreciated. Sharon Matthews, e-links, what can I say? The same thing. Smart, articulate, focused, poetic, lyrical. Sharon, you're a gem. You're a gem. And I want to say thank you to Alec Chung and Amber Whaley, the people in the background who helped 
helped get Colleen and Sharon on the show. And of course, our executive producer, Jenny Dearborn. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and I want to do a shout out to Michael and the Business Channel team at World Talk Radio for getting us on the air and keeping us there. And I have a call to action. By the way, I'll be back tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. with a new edition of Coffee Break with Game Changers. And on Thursday, what are we doing? Thursday is, uh, I think it's Meet the Visionary Game Changers. One of those. We have four shows on Thursdays. Okay, here's my call to action. Ladies, fasten your seatbelt. Maybe it's a designer seatbelt. Maybe it's a sensor-laden seatbelt for Internet of Things. But whatever you got, fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today, right now. Make it happen. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Women, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Music.